Section 8 of The Lost Valley. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Jared Wetzel Brown. The Lost Valley by Algernon Blackwood. Section 8. This is my patient. The dreadful comedy of the phrase, the grim mockery of the professional manner, the contrast between the words that someone ought to have uttered and the words Mark actually had uttered, all this had the effect of restoring Stephen to some measure of sanity. No one but his brother, he felt, could have said the thing so exactly calculated to relieve the choking passion of the situation. It was an inspiration, yet horrible in its bizarre mingling of true and false. But it's all like a thing in a dream, he heard an inner voice murmur as he stumbled homewards without once looking back. The kind of thing people say and do in the rooms of strange sleep houses. We are all surely in a dream, and presently I shall wake up. The voice continued talking, but he did not listen. A web of confusion began to spin itself about his thoughts and there stole over him an odd sensation of remoteness from the actual things of life. It was surely one of those vivid, haunting dreams he sometimes had when his spirit seemed to take part in real scenes, with real people, only far, far away, and on quite another scale of time and values. "'I shall find myself in my bed at Wimpole Street,' he exclaimed. He even tried to escape from the pain closing about him like a vice." tried to escape by waking up, only to find, of course, that the effort drove him more closely to the reality of his position. Yet the texture of a dream certainly ran through the whole thing. The outlandish proportions of dream events showed themselves everywhere. The tiny causes and prodigious effects, the terrific power of the face upon his soul, the uncanny semi-quenching of his love for Mark, the ridiculous way he had come upon these two in the forest with the nightmare discovery that they had known one another for days. And then the sight of that dear magical face dropping through the dusky forest air between the two of them. Moreover, just when the dream ought to have ended with his sudden awakening, it had taken this abrupt and inconsequent turn, and Mark had uttered the language of, well, the impossible and rather horrible language of the nightmare world. This is my patient. Moreover, his face of ice as he said it, yet, at the same time, the wisdom, the gentleness of the decision that lay behind the words, the desire to relieve an impossibly painful situation, and then the other words, meant kindly, even meant nobly, but charged for all that with a naked cruelty of life. One of us, perhaps, had better go. And he had gone. Fortunately, he had gone. Yet an hour later, after lying motionless upon his bed, seeking with all his power for a course of action his will could follow, and his mind approve, it was no dream voice that called softly to him through the keyhole. Stevie, old fellow, she is well. She is all right now. She leaves in the morning with her father, the first thing, very early, and then, after a pause in which Stephen said nothing lest he should at the same time say all, and it is best, perhaps, we should not see one another, you and I, for a bit. Let us go our ways, 
till tomorrow night. Then we shall be alone together again, you and I, as of old. The voice of Mark did not tremble, but it sounded far away and unreal, almost like wind in the keyhole, thin, reedy, sighing, oddly broken and interrupted. I'm yours, Stevie, old fellow, always yours. It added far down the corridor, more like the voice of dream again than ever. But though he made no reply at the moment, Stephen welcomed and approved both the proposal and the spirit in which it was made. And next day, soon after sunrise, he left the chalet very quietly and went off alone into the mountains with his thoughts and with the pain that all night long had simply been eating him alive. End of section eight.